Good evening. And thank you for being here this evening to pray for the legal protection of unborn children and also to pray for mothers in crisis pregnancies as well as those parents who have terminated a pregnancy who are in need of God's healing, God's forgiveness, and God's loves. We pray for all of these intentions. You know, I had 6.30 Mass this morning. It's been a long day. 6.30 Mass yesterday. Not exactly my favorite time to pray, but I must be happy that I made it there without oversleeping. Yesterday was the feast of St. Agnes of Rome, a martyr of the early church. Born into a wealthy family during the last decade of the third century, St. Agnes lived during the last major persecution of the early church under the emperor Diocletian. Though he was lenient toward believers for much of his rule, Diocletian changed course in the year 302, resolving to wipe out the church in the empire, which eventually led to St. Agnes' death as a martyr. As Roman martyrs go, it seems like a normal case until I remind myself every year that Agnes, a name that means lamb in Latin, was only 13 years old. Probably because I have a niece that is around that age, it's hard to get my mind around the fact that a secular leader would call for the killing of a 13-year-old for political reasons and maintain his rule. Nevertheless, we have faced such atrocities again and again, painful pockmarks on human history that leave us scratching our heads in wonder about how human beings can be convinced that killing children would be a good idea. And here we are, almost 50 years after the atrocity of legalized abortion in our country that has resulted in the deaths of millions of unborn children to the detriment of their fear-filled parents who most likely were told that terminating a pregnancy was a responsible decision. I know because I've met with dozens of men and women that as a consequence suffer from long-term sadness and grief, often victimizing themselves after a post-abortion experience through acts of self-harm, eating disorders, promiscuity, attempted suicides, completed suicides, broken marriages, and so on. They deserve our prayers and our support as a family of God. As I wrote about in my pastor's notes last weekend, the moral divide over the issue of abortion has not changed for almost 50 years. Sadly, there is no middle ground that some politicians call for when it comes to the dignity of human life. The stubborn insistence that a woman's right over her body as sacrosanct defies logic, most especially when it collides with a child's right to life. Anticipating the passage of a New York law in 2019 that includes some of the most extreme accessibility to abortion, Cardinal Dolan released a statement saying, if our governor, Senate, and assembly have their way, abortion will be legal up to the moment of birth. Those large numbers of healthcare professionals who find the termination of preborn babies repugnant will have no conscience rights to object. 
Trained physicians will be required to perform the dismemberment and a baby who survives the scalpel, saline or suction, and is still alive can be left to die without care. And then the Cardinal says, that is progress. And for the record, they got their way. The legislation was passed. Yes, when I read the statement, but I feel that same pit in my stomach as I do when I read about the martyr Agnes, that we are better than this as human beings. Cardinal O'Malley from Boston wrote a strong defense of human life a year ago that comes to mind this evening. He wrote, when the value of life is compromised or diminished, all life is at risk. When we give the state the power to determine what human beings are worthy of living and what should be eliminated, what we are doing is opening a Pandora's box that unleashes every kind of injustice and violation of human dignity and jeopardizes the very meaning of it coexistence. Rather than societies of people living together, we create a society where people are rejected, marginalized, uprooted, and oppressed. And he continued that the church, church's consistent life ethic contrasts with the incoherent proclamation of human rights that fail to respect human life when it is most vulnerable in the womb. Human rights without the right to life are like the king's new clothes. It's a fraud, an exercise in self-deception. And in addition to grieving what has happened since 1973's landmark Roe versus Wade decision this evening, we also come to celebrate that the church has a message that is of great service to our country and to our world. In his landmark encyclical, The Gospel of Life, Pope John Paul first penned the term, the culture of death, that flows out of our extreme individualism of our age. But we can talk about the alternative this evening. We have been talking endlessly in recent months about the solution to the COVID-19 pandemic and, and a vaccine that will end it all. Let's talk this evening about the anecdote that the church can offer to a culture of death, to abortion and other assaults against human life. That is community and solidarity in Christ. This is why we gather this evening around this altar of sacrifice to remind ourselves of human dignity that stems from our creation by God himself and also our redemption by his son Jesus Christ. That we belong to one another and as Christians we serve to build up a culture of life, a culture of connection, a culture of encounter with our triune God. Creating a culture of life must be the project of our time in all that we do. For the, t for the times that we have walked away from our duty in selfishness, let us repent this evening. And let, then let us also commit to bearing witness to the hope that we have found in our Savior Jesus Christ. And let us remind ourselves and be grateful that God breathed life into us at our conception. 
and that it is our task to respect life and all its forms. Amen.